Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is Mr. Hangry, KC Onyebuchi. What one, boy? Go on, go on. And we also got the man with the keys to victory, Mr. John Keys. Uh, I can't go behind Casey when he does that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I got nothing. I think John Keys. He don't I mean, want trouble, boy. I don't want the smoke, man. I don't want the smoke. Okay. <laughs> but um, I thought we were doing. I thought we were doing the intro. We're gonna um, do it as the know. outro. Oh, we're going to do it as the outro. Okay. I all thought right. we were doing it as the outro, but all right. Yeah. Okay. My bad. I got a mix of people. You're going to be enjoying it. You're going to have a treat tonight. Okay. I promise y'all. Anyway, <laughs> let's roll. And I helped. Uh, clearly, <laughs> you haven't seen the demographic of our audience. Like five people are going to know the know the outro. <laughs> and we're three of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my people's know. Okay, they'll know. They'll hear it, and they will love us for it. Okay, they will love us for it. All right. But, I think if you, you know, know it, you gotta just send Ryan a tweet. Yeah, if you know it, tweet yeah. at me. If you know what what we're playing in the outro, but we can't have an outro if we don't get started with the intro. Hey, so the Badger State became the battered state in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the UFC put on its final. Fox event before moving on to ESPN with a fight featuring Kevin, the Motown phenom Lee, and Ragin' Al Iaquinta. But before we get to that fight, let's check out what was going on in the world of Bellator, well, what I call the red-crested stepchild, with the official decision. The official decision. This is the official decision. This is where we look at some of the key fights from the weekend. Bellator actually had two cards going on, um, but I'm only covering Bellator 212. So they actually had another one. We didn't cover that one. Uh, we're going to do this one. This one was featuring featuring um, Brent Primus versus Michael Chandler in a championship fight at the Neil S. Bladesdale Center in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, it was an incredible fight. Let's get through the, some of these results. Juliana Velasquez defeated Alejandra Lara via split decision. Sam Cecilia, UFC veteran, now at Bellator, defeated Derek Campos via split decision. AJ McKee defeated Daniel Crawford via submission in round one. And Javi Ayala, after being embarrassed by the hapless Czech Congo a few weeks ago, <laughs> Comes back strong and defeated former UFC champion Frank Mir via submission due to taps, due to strikes in round two. Wait, wait, what are you saying come on fam for? How dare you denigrate the name of... Javi Ayala? I know, but he lost to Czech Congo, so I can't stand up for the man. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Check Congo's going to ride up on you, dude. I'm just going to walk off Okay, at that point. Okay. You know, but he, let me just say, Check Congo might ride up on me for all the trash talk that I've talked over the years. I mean, we are in episode 77. I want to say that, you know, at least in the first half of the show, we like the first half of the episodes, 
it, it's me going in on Chet Congo. So if he rolls up on me, he's got an actual grievance. Like nobody else does, but Chet does. <laughs> I feel like if it's you and me standing there and he starts to roll up on you, he's going to look at me and say, you want some of this too? And I'm going to look at him and say, <laughs> no. <laughs> and we walk off, all right? Yeah, but, you know, but, uh, all of, um, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I I have done a lot of trash talk to Czech Congo over the years. And, you know, frankly, they, they say, don't let, you know, don't let your mouth write a, write something that a check can't cash, right? You know, whatever. But uh, uh, I you see where I'm going with this, right? Because I don't think check can cash that check either. You're not going to fool me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Javi Ayala defeated Frank Mir via submission in round two. Now, it was, it, I guess it was called a technical. I mean, he tapped. So it, yes, he tapped. It, he tapped. So that's a submission, but it was due to strikes. And so um, I was I was looking at Robert Hunter. Uh, he tweeted out that he had spoken to Frank Mir, and Frank told him that he had an alveolar ridge fracture fracture so um th- this is part of your mouth and that part got fractured and so he was trying to pull his teeth out because he thought he had just lost a tooth his mouthpiece got knocked out earlier in the round um Javi Ayala's just throwing bombs on him and uh, he couldn't take the pain so he thought he'd maybe gotten a tooth knocked loose but actually it was the alveolar ridge that got broken now I know you might be saying what the heck is an alveolar ridge. So, if you take your tongue and put it right in the center of your teeth, right in the your top teeth, in the front, in the center, and then you roll it back, that first little lump is the alveolar ridge. That's what got broken for Frank Muir. It was incredible pain. He couldn't take it. He tapped out. So, I have to say that was a really good description of where it was. I thought it was no problem. Wow. On the plus side, Frank Mir has said that it was never about him. His whole purpose in life is now to be the father of his daughter, and she's going to be greater than him. So, yeah, good thing you didn't need this win. Okay, so uh, it's legit, though, <laughs> that she might be greater than him. Because... Yeah, but that pressure, the way he, he stated that, that was a bit much, like, Come on, Peyton Manning's dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh you know, my god! They, they did, you know, Archie Manning. Um, you know, Peyton and Eli are better than him. All right, uh, let me change it to Lavar Ball then. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a better analogy. Lavar <laughs> Ball being the very loud and outspoken father of. What is it, Lamangelo and Orangelo? Angelo and, and uh, Lamont love. and all these other people. I don't know. Everything has to have a lot in front of it. All right. Anyway, so, but but let's talk about that since you brought it up. So Frank Mir's daughter is a freaking athlete. So she plays linebacker on the football team. She's also a running oh back and a kicker. She's a state champion wrestler at her weight class. As a state champion high school wrestler, but only in eighth grade, like she's beaten the high school girls, and she's only I'm in sorry, eighth grade. Did you just say she's in the eighth grade? Yeah, I think she's in the eighth grade, but she's already beaten the, like the high school, and she's like the state champion, and she's just she fought up. 
what kind of freak creature is does she have the back of her dad or something like that and I'm, no, and I, I mean, mean like the back is in support of I mean like the physical back of yeah, her dad it is literally I mean, tattooed like Frank Mir I mean it's amazing that she's just like a no I'm, I'm telling you she was at the fight and she looks like a normal little girl but inside there is a freaking demon sir I think we have <laughs> like she's like Naruto like she's got a nine-tailed fox demon trapped inside her I think our our definitions of of normal looking. Uh, hold on, let me, let's see. okay. Her name is Isabella Mir. So let me do let me do a little cyber stalking for whatever for, for however we want to call oh, it. Let's call that let's research. Let's, let's just call that research. Yeah, I'm I'm liking that <laughs> since you're searching for a 13 year old girl. Okay, that's creepy. Okay, <laughs> now you made it creepy. Cyber stalking okay, or research? <laughs> we shall call it. Research, okay. <laughs> now I feel dirty and stuff, and you know, and if the FBI comes and gets me, it's all y'all's fault. Okay, just remember that. Okay, what is this? They come kicking it. If they come kicking in my door, you know, like, well, they gotta find it first. It. I'm still looking for it. I found the picture of her, and yeah, her her neck is just like her dad's neck. Okay, oh my god, I wonder if they have the same tattoos. Goodness. I mean, I'm saying this because, you know, I'm not trying to – because y'all know how I feel about Frank Mir. Okay, I could care less about the dude. You know, but, like you know cheering when he was mouthful. Yeah, yeah you know, but, uh, yeah, his his daughter looks – yeah, I, I can see the resemblance there. Um, yeah. Okay, I, think yeah she so- could, I think she could bench press all of us, honestly. <laughs> I think she I think she got us. Okay. And probably well, I, in the ring at the same time. Focus, though, like – so if you watch his Instagram, he has been doing a lot of training with his daughter. But, I mean, that's not necessarily bad. But, I mean, st- step your game up, man. Might might want to spend more time in the gym. Well, you know, now that he's got to fight clean because, you know, he, he's got to leave <laughs> uh, Jackson Winklejohn. Maybe he can go up to Factory X. What? How dare you besmirch the name? Factory X. I am not besmirching. I'm saying if he wants to go fight clean, maybe he can go up the road. <laughs> well, right. let's say it like this: that at least Factory X did get another. They got another shot on the show. I'm telling you, I need a shirt at this point. Zach Cummings with the W. Oh, see, you know what? <laughs> it's my fault. I opened the door on this, that uh, one. This list here. Michael Chandler is the new. <laughs> You know, I don't even know what weight class that is. What is that? Lightweight? Welterweight? What weight is that? Okay. I should know Fair that. Enough. Um, give me a second. Because we're so professional here. Yeah, we um, are. Lightweight. I was um, right. Lightweight. Michael Chandler is the new Bellator lightweight champion who defeated Brent Primus. Not Primus. Primus via unanimous decision. This was, was a, a pretty dominant breath. fight by by Michael Chandler. I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of people who were talking about Premise being, you know, such a you know expert striker. He got rocked in the first round, and even though Premise had uh, Chandler in 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 serious trouble, had taken Chandler's back and everything like that, and later on in the fight, Chandler found a way out, and and I say he stole that round as well. I mean, this was a great fight for him. I, it's, it's been fun watching him on Instagram, getting ready to train. You know who he trains with, right? 
No huh. idea. He trains with Tyron Woodley. Oh. And the funky Ben Askren. Like, Oh yeah, I mean this guy is part of uh, uh, just a freaking triumvirate of pain. Okay, I thought that was going to come out much funnier, but that's okay. <laughs> crickets. <laughs> yeah, I got crickets, man. Like I need a laugh track on this soundboard, so when y'all let me down, I could be like, "Bow." All right, let's go on to the UFC on Fox Thirty One. This was coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Entertainment and Sports Center. Uh, There were four fights on the card. This was the final fight on Fox for the UFC. And so they brought it with Charles Oliveira, who defeated Jim Miller via submission in round one. Uh, Rob Font defeated Sergio Pettis via unanimous decision. In the co-main event, Edson Barbosa defeated Dan Hooker via knockout. In round three, so let's we'll talk call about it a that knockout, one. man. Huh? Oh my goodness! I say we can call it a knockout. I call it a, a destruction. Okay, I mean it was, it was literally. If you ever want to see somebody get picked apart in the last couple of years, this fight was the fight to watch. I mean, Edson Barbosa. I mean, congratulations to him, but he literally just picked this guy apart from start. All the way through, and Dan Hooker, being the 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 fighter that he was, he was willing to stand there, and I mean, he was not going to stop, and that's kind of a problem, okay? Because I know last week I sat there and I and I talked about uh, Brian Ortega and the Gracie fighter mentality, that warrior mentality they have, but the referee is not a great fight okay that referee should have jumped in there a long time ago and stopped that because it was becoming brutal to watch so um yeah i mean and and here's the thing we um john you and i both picked uh dan hooker to win this fight um he, yes, he, he was on a four fight win streak he'd beaten ross pearson via knockout he submitted mark DeKessi. Mm-hmm. He knocked out Jim Miller with a knee, knocked out Gilbert Burns with a punch. Um, I I thought that he was, I mean, he was on a rise and and I thought he was going to, you know, you know, he was going to find Mm -hmm. a way to get Edson Barbosa to the ground and, you know, really do a lot of damage there. And Edson Barbosa was just too freaking fast. Like you're watching this fight and early in the first and second rounds, you know, Hooker just couldn't keep up with the pace and the speed. The, the kicks were coming so fast and brutal. The leg kicks themselves were debilitating, which um, yes. Edson Barbosa is one of the few people to actually finish a fight just with leg kicks. And then mm-hmm. the striking took over, and then the body shots. There was one where he, he land, uh, Edson Barbosa landed a body shot on Dan Hooker, and it was like he just, he just crumpled around it. I mean, it was unbelievable yeah. the damage that Edson Barbosa did in the first few rounds. Unbelievable. So you know it was uh, it, it was it was one of those things that as we got into the the third round, which was the you know this was a three round fight, Hooker just looked like a, a, a just a zombie out there. I mean, he, he was taking tremendous amounts of damage. The spinning back kicks were just landing like right in the in the bread basket. And we mean in. I'm, we're talking people. I mean. Heel to bread basket. It was deep. 
too. Okay, and I mean it was, it like I said, it was painful to watch. Uh, Boss Wooden would be proud of the of the liver shots that he delivered. Uh, liver delivered anyway, and you know, uh, in the end, it was just like, why was the ref still standing there watching this fight? Well, yeah, he and, and jumped and, in at any point. I, I totally agree with you, and and I actually tweeted out to to Daniel Cormier because Cormier was uh, ringside calling the fight, and he mm-hmm. is yelling into the mic, "Stop this fight! Stop the the ref needs yeah. to stop this fight. He hasn't. He needs to stop this fight." And he was just yelling into the you know into into the mic like, "Stop this fight! This should not go on anymore." Dana White even commented on the fact that this fight should not have gone anymore, and you know it was unfortunate that. It took a liver shot to to you know finally drop Dan Hooker. I mean, and Hooker was in the fetal position, just laying there. And I'm, I was thankful that that Edson Barbosa didn't go in for any more damage. It was yeah, it it, it was very very brutal. So on yeah. this one, and I wanted to just say he needs to hashtag protect the fighter. Yeah, uh, definitely on that one. And. In the main event of the evening, Al Iaquinta defeated the Motown phenom Kevin Lee via unanimous decision. This was a main event that you got wrong, John, so uh, it's got to play it. Play it on the dude. But I got it wrong, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? This fight here... um, First and fourth, I would get I gave to Al Al because I mean he came out there he was not the so the, wait, the wild did you have card, the wild did you card. have Lee winning this fight? Dude, I had him in uh, second and third. Lee was Lee was strong. That fifth that fifth round, I mean it, 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 he lost it. He lost it in the fifth round. He really did. I mean that that I mean it was anybody's fight all the way up there. Until Al came out and he showed him that, hey, I'm still here and I'm still, I'm still, uh, excuse me, I'm still composed, and went to work and I was amazed to see Al Iaquin because I expected him to lose it at some point and Kevin Lee to capitalize on it. I mean, but he didn't, and I would say both fighters have have matured since the last time they fought each other. It was air apparent that both fighters have matured. It just happened to be this night. Al got it. You know, yeah, hats off to to Sarah Longo for this one. So, uh, you know, Kevin Lee, uh, I, I have been fairly outspoken about Kevin Lee and, and how much I didn't like mm-hmm. his, you know, his his persona. Uh, I'm, I'm not going mm-hmm. to say that that's who he is when he's off the camera, but who he is on the camera is someone that I find fairly distasteful. I actually enjoyed his interview with uh, Joe Rogan. I uh, thought that was super interesting to learn a bit of his background. But the thing is, mm-hmm. is that Kevin Lee is probably one of the most um, dynamic strikers at lightweight in the UFC. The dude is super athletic. He's great in you know when in in the striking you know category. He's great on the ground. You know, he can wrestle you, he can exhaust you, he can beat you up on the ground, he can submit you. He's got a lot of things that he does that I think sets him apart. But, you know, I just think that, you know, this persona, this bravado that he has about who he is and all that kind of stuff. And it's coming out even again on Instagram uh, today where he's talking about, you know, F being humble. 
Um, you know, he's he earned his way to where he is. And it's like, you know what? I can't get behind you on that. I, you, you got beat. Al Iaquinta came in there and beat you. First round, I gave it to Al, just like you, John. Second and third was Kevin Lee. Fourth round was Al again. And then the fifth round, Al just got stronger and stronger. And by the time the bell rung, he was in Kevin Lee's face just yelling at him like, I'm still here. Yeah. I was shocked to see that Kevin Lee thought that he won this fight. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm a a firm believer that you got to believe in yourself before anybody else believes in you. Okay? You got to be your own hero. And sometimes you got to bolster yourself up, but at the same time, there comes a point where you have to be a little humble, okay? Be gracious, be as gracious in defeat as you will be in victory. This okay? sounds pretty counterintuitive to maybe it's just Ryan who has this point, but I hear a lot about just what's the point in being humble? Like it's all promo talk, and this maybe he's just prematurely selling his next fight. So what stance is it? Be humble or be bombastic? Be fluid. Be like water. How about that? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously, I, I, though, you gotta, you know, if you lose, say, you know what? I took an L this one this time, but the next guy, you know, it's on and popping. Okay, and and just be quiet. You know, do do what Al did. Al was quiet the entire week, the entire fight week. He wasn't talking his trash or anything like that. He kept it quiet because he got beat by, by you know, Habib last fight. So he came in there quiet, went in there and did work. Now Al can talk trash if he really wanted to. Okay? He can really talk trash because he, he won. You have the ability to talk trash. You got to stay humble or stay quiet. So for me, I, I you know, I believe in promo talk. So if you're coming <laughs> up to the fight, if you've signed the, the contract, yeah, talk your trash. Talk all your trash leading up to the fight. Once you walk into the cage, it's time for talking is done. You fight. There is a winner and a loser or a draw. <laughs> and mm-hmm. after that, it's time for humility. It's time to show respect. Time to show respect for the process. Time to show respect for your opponent. You know, And, and that's what you do until you sign that next contract and then you get geared up and you start chalking trash again. Um that that's the way that I would like to see it happen where it's like, you know what? I got beat. And, and, and I'm not going to say that, that Kevin Lee was belligerent in his loss, but you know, he thought that he won the fight and it was like, I, 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 I just don't see how you, how you thought that if anything, the first round was close enough that you had to be in doubt. So you don't step mm-hmm. off the gas, take your foot off the gas because you think you got three rounds, you know, the first three rounds. Because you sure didn't win the fourth one, and you sure didn't win the fifth one. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so let's go ahead and close the book on this one. Let's put it on the shelf because this these two cards are history. Let's go into our next segment where we look at some of the headlines and some of the topics that people are talking about in the UFC world with Finding the Angles. is finding the angles this is where we look at the headlines and topics that are really making waves in the wake of the events on saturday night 
Now, I know we just put the card on the shelf, but we're going to take it off and look at one of the prelims that happened. Now, John, I know that you uh, you were really wanting to talk about this one, and I hadn't seen it, um, but you know, I'm glad you, you brought this to my attention. But Joaquim Silva knocked out Jared Gordon in the prelims of UFC on Fox 31 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jared Gordon was out on his feet. Only the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah, man. Um, it was pretty bad for Flash. Um, he, he he was doing good, but, you know, Joaquin seemed to have all the answers to any question that, that uh, Gordon had. And the final, the closing argument pretty much was a four-punch a four, four punch combo that left him just like, like zombified on the cage, and he was still standing. And, you know, Joaquin was smart enough to say, okay, he's out. And he, he, we walked off on him. But it was, it was one of those things. I don't know if the ref could have stopped that in time because it was like maybe the second or third hit, he was out. But, you know, the fourth hit was definitely, you know, it was like the, the ref was coming in after, just as he hit with the fourth hit. So, I, I mean, it was, a, it, was, it was good timing. You know, maybe it was a bad position for the ref to be in. Okay, to be that that a little bit that far off from stopping Joaquin from from you know putting any more damage on him, but the ref did did his job in that one. But it alludes to when should a ref stop a fight? So yeah, okay. I think that I think that that's a that, that that's a worthwhile discussion for us to have. You know, um, we can go back to like what episode nine where we talked about. Santiago Ponzinibbio and Lorenz Larkin in that fight where we coined the phrases hashtag protect the fighter and let them fight hashtag let them fight. And we have always debated whether or not it's worth stopping a fight early to protect the fighter versus letting a fight go and letting unnecessary damage occur. And so with the fights from last week with um, Brian T city Ortega and Max Holloway where Brian Ortega, you know, took 134 strikes in one round. Um, and then with Dan Hooker, who took an amazing amount of damage from, you know, an, an electric striker like Edson Barbosa. And even the, the Joachim Silva, uh, Joaquim Silva and uh, Jared Gordon, where Gordon is literally out on his feet. And, you know, if the ref hadn't stepped in in this one, you know, he he's still on his feet. You know, he might have took some more damage. He might have took some more damage. So, you know, I think it's very clear that when a fighter gets dropped and, you know, he's he's clearly out, we expect the ref to stop that fight. But what happens when a fighter is still on his feet and even throwing strikes that don't land or just taking punches when is it appropriate for a ref to stop the fight? I want to hear your opinions, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up with my opinion. So, KC, I'll start with you. When should a ref stop a fight? What should a ref be looking for You know, on, a, on an opponent that is uh, still, still, st- still standing, you know, not rocked on the ground, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, just the fighter in me says you just let him bang it out. Uh, I don't think that there is a really good hard and fast rule for a fighter who's who's staying in there. He he knows the risk, and he's choosing not to go down. He wants to go out on a shield, and 
I mean, he's just as responsible for his own life as the ref is. So if he, if he continues to take damage, he chose that path. No one is making him take that damage at that point. So I say let him fight. If he's got the heart and thinks that he might be able to find a haymaker in there, even though he's punching at two miles an hour, like that's that's on the fighter. Uh, it comes off as callous and harsh, but at the same time, uh, I have never been a fan of someone jumping in to save me. I felt like in my first fight, uh, when my corner threw in the towel, like I, I was taking no damage. I just couldn't get my hands back up. I was able to move my head. So like I personally have this thing and just let me fight. All right, John. Um, it's like this. I agree with Casey to a degree. Okay. If the fighter and the corner are an understanding that I'm going to war this out, meaning either I come back with my shield or on it, that's one thing. Okay. This is the reason why I was not, I was not upset with the whole with the with Brian T. City Ortega. They had a they had an understanding. Understanding the Gracie mentality, they knew what they were doing. Okay. You know, the corner understood. But the ref is not the corner. If the ref jumps in and says, You've had enough, that's one that's totally different. Okay. And the ref should if, if, if you can't really gauge it. I mean, what a good general rule. But how many strikes unanswered and barely defending do we do we consider, okay, you're done. 10, 15, 20, 20 strikes, you know, that are not defended and he's not answering back. You know, the, I, I would say somewhere in that realm. I, I, I would even say, I say give 10 unanswered, undefended strikes. Because anybody that can punch fast punch that fast for 10 is it man and he needs to be in a movie or doing something else okay because nobody can punch 10 strikes fast and can't be defended and not one can be defended so i would say that would be a good general rule 10 unanswered strike unanswered undefended so you know of course i i completely disagree with kc um you know People, okay. uh, yeah. no, no. I'm just people get into the in, in, into these situations where, you know, it's it's a it, you know you get into this instinctual thing where you're you're still on your feet, but you know the process is going on uh, it, within your brain is is uh, you know you you're just not there. You know when we look at the Brian T. City Ortega example, yeah, he's in he's still in the fight, and yeah, he's throwing punches. But none of those punches landed like it was it was I mean, he was moving so slowly that that it, it wasn't okay. a threat. He, he wasn't a threat to Max Holloway at any point. And he was just taking huge shots. I mean, these are these are not like jabs. He's taking crosses. He's taking, you know, big kicks, things like that, that you, you just he, I mean, you can see that this person, and I keep using this term zombie, you can see that this mm-hmm. person is not there. Uh, there is a substantial degradation in the effectiveness of this fighter from when he, when you, in round one, when you go ding, and this guy is fighting, and he is in the fight, and this one, where he's just taking damage unnecessarily, 
that is a clear indication that you need to stop this fight. When we look at Dan Hooker's example, once again, Dan Hooker was fighting with some level of alacrity in the first round, but once we get to the third round, he takes two spinning back kicks, crumples over, and he's he's really not even I mean he's just trying to protect himself. He's not he's not defending. He's really just kind of covering up, but he's on his feet. He's not moving with any speed. He's not he's not posing any type of aggression and he's getting hit with rock, I mean just with big shots by Edson Barbosa. When you see that, that's when you should stop the fight because you know what fighter that is. You've seen Dan Hooker knock people out. You've seen what Dan Hooker can do. If he's just taking damage and 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 he's barely moving forward, that's not a that's not a fighter intelligently defending himself anymore. That's not a fighter that's even in this fight anymore. Just because he's standing up doesn't mean that he is in this fight. Just because he's throwing some punches that are just wildly going into in, into nothingness doesn't mean he's in this fight. And I think that the referee needs to be able to know the fighters he is calling the fight for and be able to make a decision of whether or not a fighter is in a fight beyond what, whether or not he's still standing. And I expect a referee to have that intelligence and have the confidence to be able to make that call to say, this fight is over. You are no longer in this fight. Casey, you want a counterpoint on that? Uh, no, because he's wrong. Because basing, okay. basing it on, <laughs> oh, well, I know this fighter. Uh, that's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous notion. No, it, it it's it's not because you yourself have 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 said, well, you know, this fighter is is a, is a champ. He's come back from other things, so we should let him fight longer. You know, we've seen when like Uriah Faber got a fight called on him, and he felt and, and Faber thought that he was he was still uh, in the fight, and the fight got called. It was like, well, you know, he's 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 come back from this. He's a former champ. Da 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 da. Well, okay. But at the same time, if you are out on your feet and you're just walk, walking forward into punches and you're not moving your head out of the way, but you haven't gone down yet, you're out of this fight, even if you're not on your back. Not true. Okay, so I, he- I hear what both sides are saying, but it, 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 it really comes down to, re- to respecting the ref in the end. Okay. It's the ref's job to call the fight. Okay, he and yes, Ryan, you are correct in saying that the ref needs to know his fighters. KC, you're correct if the fighter knows how much he can take. But in the end, it is the ref's decision. All right. But for that to happen, for us to truly trust that ref, we need a higher standard of ref in there. We need refs that know that knows the fights because Let's put it in there. We've seen fight. We've seen refs call fights too prematurely, and then now we're seeing fights fight, uh, refs that are letting fights go way too long. So how? So how do we? How do we resolve that? You leave it to the corner. Get... No, well, uh... leave it to the corner. So okay, if we leave it to the corners, okay, that's that's a, that's a good point. We can leave it to the corners to throw in the towel. What happens when we have Gracie fighters in the ring who are known? They're, they they will rather die than tap 
They rather die. You got to knock them out. It's easy, and they don't knock out. That is such a cavalier use of the word "die." Like, let let me let's just let's just understand. Wait, wait, hold on. The concept. Right. I am not using that. I'm not using that as a cavalier way. I am serious. Okay, the Gracie fighters are no joke, man. Okay, I don't care what anybody thinks. This is a sport and everything like that. Gracie, the Gracie family jujitsu, they are serious about this. Okay, they if they if they collapse and and die of a hemorrhage later, they they're not going to be upset with that. They are serious with this. Well, okay, I, this is not like they don't treat it like a sport. Okay, in other words, they treat this as their life. Beat Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu is their life. Okay, that's their legacy. And that's why I tell people, y'all don't know who these fighters are. They are serious with it. So they will, if I'm not using it in a cavalier way. I'm just telling you, that's their mentality. They have proven it too many times. Hickson, okay, this man has two busted vertebrae. And he would still jump in the ring. He would still jump on the mat to roll. Okay, well, this man is he's the, and he's the alpha dog of the Gracie family. Well, I I, okay? I get all that. I I get all that. However, you know, you, I go back to if your life means nothing more than what happens in the ring, then I feel bad for you if you've got a wife and children. I feel bad for you if you've got family members who care about you because the fact is, is that whatever happened and, you know, to to you in the ring is more important than all of the people who care about you that like you they don't matter. That's what that's ultimately what you're saying is, is that, you know what, I am coming in the ring. I am this warrior and this is a life or death kind of thing. And I would rather die than quit in a something that is a sport. And I am not trying to minimize, you know, the, the sacrifice that these fighters are making. But I do believe mm-hmm. that there is a limit that if. There is a reason why we have rules. There is a reason why we have a referee. There's a reason why these things exist is so that we can keep it safe. That if you are willing to go so far as to accept irreversible damage or otherwise die in the ring, if that is the option for you before quitting, then don't have a family. Don't do something like that. Because it... it, that's why I say it's a it's a cavalier use of the word die because either you either you are willing to die and dying is a, is an option, or you're not willing to die, and to say that you're willing to die is just using the term to as some type of a a, a marketing tool to 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 espouse your toughness. You're so, you're okay with marketing though, aren't you? That is you know what that that that's a that's that's a false equivalency. Come on. How many of these? If you are saying that I am willing to die and you literally want to continue to take damage upon damage for no reason than to somehow show your commitment and toughness, then that is asinine to me. You do realize this, right? Because every time you step into the ring, you're taking brain trauma. This isn't light. It is legitimately brain trauma 
with every time you step into the octagon or the ring or the squared circle, whatever you're in, in these combat sports, you have chosen from that moment. No one is aloof to this concept that I'm going to get brain damage. So whether you get it all in one shot or you get it later, you're getting brain damage. So it's not somehow less heroic that you didn't die. No, but it is it is not somehow more heroic that you you took additional damage when it was unnecessary. You're not winning the fight. You you you're the I mean you're taking all of this damage and 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 you're you're not delivering any damage at this point. When we look at T City, when we look at at Hooker and and I'm not going to throw Gordon in there because that one really was, I think, an appropriate stoppage. But when we look at Hooker and we look at Ortega, those two fighters were out on their feet, and they were simply absorbing additional damage that was unnecessary for what was going on in the fight. And because of that, now you're saying, don't stop the fight. Continue to take the damage because you're, you know, you carry some some logo on your shoulder. You know, you're you're part of some clan that that has these, you know, these values. There, there is a and I think that that I, I think that that needs to be to be checked. There's a, there, there should be a limit to that. And a referee no. is there to be able to make sure that you don't have people who are going in there just so that they can. Have some story cool of legend of remember that time when Brian Ortega, you know, nearly died in the ring. Let's have so a beer. Would you want Rory McDonald to tap out with his broken nose, bleeding all over, and can barely see? So the thing with Rory McDonald, I mean, I think that that's a that that's a valid point. Um, with 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 Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler, both of those fighters, even though they were bloody, were still actively engaged in the fight, and they were both throwing bombs. Up until the point when Robbie when Robbie Lawler landed a punch on Rory McDonald's nose, and this was a fight that happened back in 2015. For those of you, you can look it up. At that point, that's when Rory McDonald went to the ground and 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 basically conceded that fight. But up until that point, those both of those fighters were actively engaged and actively trying to defend themselves and actively throwing punches. So, no, I don't think that it's the same as what was going on with Brian Ortega and what was going on with Dan Hooker. Those were separate situations. Okay, I'll support that. As long as you're actively defending or engaging in the fight, fight on. If not, I still say your corner knows you better than anyone else and and your, your wishes. So if your wish is to truly go out on your shield then sorry that's that's the choice you've made then you know, it falls to the referee to, to stop the nonsense and then and yeah it and the then it stopped the nonsense if yes at that point it does fall to the referee but understand that that referee he's got to be neutral in this okay he's got he cannot favor well i've seen this guy take more damage and be okay no if you see it you call it okay say something yep see something say something I think this was I a mean, good conversation. Like I said, it was. It was really good. I think it was good. Yeah. I appreciate it. UFC 233 was canceled. This was a fight that we never thought should have happened in the first place. Kind of glad it was canceled, but they moved the fight to another card. Uh, the, this was the fight that was featuring TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo. Um, so this was the um, the flyweight 
championship fight that TJ Dillashaw was moving down from bantamweight, which is 135 to 125 pounds, to fight Henry Cejudo, who stole the the belt from um, from Demetrius Johnson before Demetrius Johnson got uh, traded to uh, one championship. This was a fight that we all thought was you know a good fight if it was being fought at 135 for a meaningful title. But fighting it at 125 for basically a lame dunk, lame duck belt was unnecessary, and uh, it seems like nobody really wanted to see it either. Otherwise, the fight would the the card wouldn't have to be canceled. Yeah, it, it was what it was. Um, I'm kind of glad they did it. I mean, I think it would have been it have been a little bit of overkill to have the es the first ES, ESPN. Um, uh, fight night one week and then that following weekend to have UFC 233. That was overkill. You know, they, they if anything, they should have been smart and put the, the UFC 233 on the ESPN fight night. That night, they should have put it on, on, on ESPN. It would have been a beautiful thing. So, I have a silly question here. So does uh, the next uh, big UFC event become two thirty three, or do they just skip that number and say, "Well, that doesn't exist"? They skip the number. No, so they're the going. Event is are they going to skip it? They're skipping it. So, oh wow, UFC two thirty three will not happen. They'll go straight to UFC two thirty four, um, and that's going to be in February, um, and that's the fight that is um, uh, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, <clears throat> Robbie Lawler and and um, and Ben Askren have also been moved. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, because it was supposed to be on that card as well. They were looking for a heavy. So remember all this crap that was being talked to to, to Tyron Woodley, and this whole Tyron Woodley mm-hmm. thing. We talked about it. Me and me and George wore out the 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 live event episode for. Um, you know, for that for the last pay per view card, uh, talking about Tyron Woodley, the whole reason why Dana White was applying the pressure on Tyron Woodley was to get him to fight at UFC two thirty three, because they needed a main event because the Henry Cejudo and um, T J Dillashaw fight wasn't re- producing the buys that they needed. I'm, I I swear to I don't have anything that says this, but it just makes sense. Why does Dana White care about when Tyron Woodley's going to fight? It's because he needed a main event, a big draw for that card, and Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington uh, for the unification, or no, it's not the unification because Colby Covington is not officially uh, the interim title holder anymore, even though it says it on UFC that you need to update your website, yo. Anyway, um, that was a fight that people would want to see because there's a lot of people who like Col- Colby Covington and even more people who hate him, and they want to see Tyron Woodley beat him up. That would have been the that would have been the fight to headline that card, and since Tyron Woodley didn't want to do it, um, for whatever reason, his broken hand or, or or other reasons that we may not know about, um, they had to cancel the card. I think Chet Congo could have came. If it was a Bellator Congo, card, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we could have, you know, we could have got another, we could have got some, we could have got Stipe out there, did something. I mean, something, something heavyweight. They could have got something. They could have. I mean, it yeah, seems like to me, who else can make weight? You know exactly. Because I'm like, it seems like to me that Dana has 
is in for Tyrant. I mean, he has seriously got beef with Tyrant. Yep. And it's like he's trying to he's trying to find a way. How can I get somebody in there to beat Tyrant out of his belt so I don't have to deal with him anymore? That's what it looks like to me. Well, that's the only way that that's the only reason why I can honestly think of why he wants him to fight so quick on a turnaround because he just fought like just a few months ago. You know when he fought uh, Darren Till. So why do you want him to immediately come back knowing that he that he's just had hand surgery? And Tyron actually made uh, a convincing argument of this that he's that you know Dana White wasn't pressuring any other fighter to come back so quickly. That he only pressured him. And well, I'm pretty sure there's some mad Irishman you know running around the world you know drinking proper twelve that he could have called out first. You know, no, he I'm can't. So no, he couldn't. He couldn't call out the the Mad Irish. Ah, that's right. He's, he's, they've got the whole Nevada State Athletic Commission ruling oh, that they that's right. have to wait yeah. for. So um, it looks like they're going to get nine months. Uh, that's what I saw. A report said that um, Habib is going to get nine months. Um, mm. And I don't know what Connor is, but because but he is still pending a decision by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So there is no fight scheduled for Connor right now, and the next fight that Connor's going to get. Which Connor fights at 155, and we're talking about 170, is um, is uh, Poirier, um, and so that's mm. the fight they want to make. Um, I'd like to see Max fight Connor. Uh, let it happen at 155. I'd I'd, I'd love to see that. It's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen. Max is going to demand that one. The He'll thing is, that is that you, you you need Connor to fight someone he can beat. You need Connor to fight um, someone he can beat. And I don't know if Poirier is that guy. Um, I don't know if Max is that guy. But you need, like, you really, I, 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 right now, I think you, I think you book Connor versus Nate Diaz three, so that he can win that fight. Because Connor on a what two fight losing streak, three fight losing streak since, uh, um, I, I don't know. I think it's a two fight losing streak. Um, the problem it is booking that is no one's interested in the Diaz brothers anymore. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that, Casey. I mean, I let, I'll be the first one to say I'd like to see it again. I'd like to see Diaz in a full fight camp. Nothing, you know, give him a full fight camp and go and, and run it up one more time. I'd like to see that. Yeah, but you are Let's also the happens. person that wanted to see Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz. <laughs> so lost all, and guess what? And guess what? I saw it and I was like, wow, uh, Chuck, the, the, there, there was caveats to that. First of all, they needed to be juiced to the gills, okay? They needed to be juiced to the gills, all right? Second of all, they need to be a total exhibition match so nobody's records are, are affected, okay? Then a juiced up, a juiced up Tito Ortiz versus a juiced up Chuck Liddell, I would have been a happier man, okay? A non-juiced up uh, older guys master division, is no fun. Nobody wants to see a non-juiced up master division, and we're going and it's going to be proven when and if Brock Lesnar returns to the UFC on why we don't have a non-juiced up masters division. All right, all okay. right, all right. Hey, I want to I want to hit one more story before we go. Francis Ngannou versus Cain Velasquez is being targeted for a UFC Phoenix main event. That's February seventeenth. We might see the return of. Kane Velasquez versus Francis Ngannou. I, I, I'm digging that fight. I'm not. 
as an Ungano fan, like he's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see total Rock'em Sock'em in this one. Okay, they're, they're, don't expect this to last the first round. Oh no, no, it, it, it's going to be lots of lots of lots of blood on on the mat because you know what I thought Curtis Blades was going to do. Cain Velasquez is definitely going to do it. <laughs> he's going to get taken down. So he's going to get run that back. Bigfoot Silva. <laughs> There's blood all over the place. Uh, but that's coming in February 17th, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a, a good fight. I I want to see if, uh, if Francis is going to learn how to not get taken down because that's what he's going to have to do if he wants to win that fight. You guys got anything else? Uh, yeah, uh, either earlier today or yesterday, uh, the UFC threw out a cryptic tweet. Uh, if anybody's ever, if anybody's seen it, uh, it pretty much shows the top of the ridge, which shows the American American flag and then a Canadian flag with diamonds by each one of them, and it looks to be a belt. And then they put the date twelve twenty nine eighteen. Uh, Michael Bisping sat there and said that. He heard from a dirty from a dirty bird that that's going to that the new UFC belt is going to have a logo and a diamond by every country that had a champion in that division. So it could be that John Jones tweeted to it uh, saying, "Is that what he tell me? That's what he think it is." And his coaches came out there saying, "Yeah, that's going to be your belt, basically." And we'll see. Twelve twenty nine eighteen. Apparently. Some people are saying that's the new 165-pounder uh, pound belt. We don't know yet, so stay tuned, okay? All right. Well, I think that that's good late-breaking news. Thank you so much for that. Follow us on social media okay. on Twitter. I'm at CST Ryan, And I am at CST Ryan. Well, you know. And I get – yeah. Oh, uh, he doesn't tweet. That's right. Ah, uh, yeah. And I am at Keys to Victory, and that's Keys with an E F. Uh, you can check us out on the website at www.combatsportstalk.com, and you can find us on Anchor.fm, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. You can find us literally on every podcast um, application that you might use. Uh, we now have merchandise, so check out uh, our w- merchandise link on CombatSportsTalk.com. Um, and we are on Instagram. I am at Combat Sports Talk. And I am at Push Pull Prey. And once again, I'm at Keys to Victory, and that's Keys with an E-S. And don't forget our section on live events where you can hear George G. Money Stallworth, the double champ, uh <laughs> Tell Joe Rogan what to say before Joe Rogan says it on the broadcast. <laughs> it's wow. <unclear. laughs> all right. That's it. If you've got nothing else. I guess we're all up in everybody's area, player. So, yeah, let's get on out of here. All right. Ally Quinta for president. What? <laughs> Shut up. Damn. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Our we are music growing, is people. composed by Scott McCurry at scottdeancountry.com. KC Onyebuchi produced our lead ins. I want to thank you for joining us for another edition of Combat Sports Talk. For KC Onyebuchi and John Keyes, I'm Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw balls.